0: anybody's we're up to 29 so we've had a few more from today's mailer that's good a couple from wa and from hopefully they're they're coming on and not uh just wanting a recording which some do well yeah that's okay that's all right it's, it's getting out like a couple of your team I was going to trial the Facebook Live, but it's um, i have to have a play with it. I don't want to experiment today. Yeah. It looks a bit more detailed to it. Recording cool. So Monash, is uh,
1: the course in good shape, Daniel? Yeah, it's a bit wet. Um cool. had a fair share of rain. So it uh, definitely... It wasn't preferred lies, which was last week, I think, which oh, got some horrendous lies, but, you know, it's nothing to do with how bad I'm at playing golf. It's obviously everything else. but And the greens were glass. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Very, very quick for me anyway. So. Were they uh, holding, though? Hitting in? No. Nah, they were, well, look, they um, were true, but... I mean, when the but, ball hits them, are they firm and are they... Are they
0: oh,
2: yeah. Um,
1: yeah, no, they were. They were good. So, yeah, your approach shot was fine. It was just once you are on there. A uh, the three-putt wasn't uncommon yesterday, so... Uh, a bit frustrating at times, uh, particularly the week before when you you, know, you get around and you barely have a three putt when just it's yeah. all depending on the range. So, but uh, the clubhouse wasn't open. Um, oh, I, don't okay. know, I, I thought that was happening at clubs everywhere, but maybe they made an internal decision to um, to keep it closed for a little longer. Yeah, what what are you up to? Fifty fifty packs now and yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah. Is that in
1: dip, separate venues
0: too? If you can separate them, they can...
2: Yep. If yep. you've got... Like, Penrith League's club can get 500.
0: Mm, serious. Okay. Yeah. So even that many, it wasn't a limit on overall.
2: It's... Yeah. Yeah. Because you can maintain that social distancing and whatever.
1: Fine. Well, see, actually has got two levels. So I would have thought they would open up both levels and have 50 upstairs, 50 downstairs or whatever. Yep. the Yeah, yeah. but... I didn't read anything from the club. But I guess it might have been in a newsletter or somewhere, but um, I'm sure it won't be long before they reopen. We were back to multiple tea, tea, time, uh, like multiple tea starts so.
0: yeah. yeah. Yeah, we had a challenge here because all of a sudden it was, we went from, uh, we were supposed to be June 12 or something to open and they moved it forward two weeks. So no one was really ready race I sort of working around now to um, to make sure they're ready to go I bet somebody come on it's bill how are you going bill yeah, <laughs> <laughs> love his picture Reading the Chinese paper there bill Bill's very talented And Nicole's on. Hey, Nicole. (laughs)
2: Um, Can you actually hear me,
1: Mike?
0: Yeah, yeah, we're on a webinar format, so we can hear you. We can't really see you.
1: Oh, you
2: can't see me. Okay. No, it's all right. But how how are things
0: going? You're at uh, Kulingada. You're
2: right
0: on that. Yep, going all right. Yeah, keeping busy. And, um, you know, I'd say golf wise, things are going really
2: well. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we were just saying that they're uh, starting to open up down in New South Wales to groups of fifty in their venues. So they're starting that's
2: to That's right. Up. Yeah. So we're doing some oh, renovations. Oh you're in New
0: South Wales as well. I was Yeah, we that, are. I, yeah, yeah, Wales <laughs> as well.
2: So we're doing some renovations at the moment to um that level one here. Yeah. So um they won't be complete until early um July
1: anyway. So it's all opened up a bit quicker than what we thought, but it, it doesn't matter. We um will make do.
0: Yeah, no, that's good. I think we're still on twenty here, so we'll be um Yeah. And they moved it forward on us, so no one's probably ready. That's good. Hey, Mitch. We have everybody on CP uh, pops on or not. Hey, Mitch, how's things going up north? Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> Trying to remember all the names of who's coming on. Can you guys see it, the panelists? Can you see the names? If you click on the chat box, you can see who's popping in. Yeah, I can see some names there, yeah. Yeah, if you're up at the top, they'll say attendees. And Jeff's on as well. How are things going down your way, Jeff, Down in um, down in Melbourne?
3: Uh, pretty good. Um, obviously middle, middle of the year, the, my observation, I'm a member out of Rosanna golf club. And, um, so basically private members course, you know, I have to be a member's guest to come on and play. We're not yet allowing, uh, visitors as such, but the course seems to be, I'm going to say off the top of my head at 95%
0: capacity. Oh, wow. Okay.
3: Yeah. Maybe it's 90, but basically, yeah, members have really sort of come out and, um, a little bit of what, what do you call it? Pent up demand,
0: yeah, especially and, down um, there. Yeah,
3: yeah. Um, courses looking a treat, um, being being run very well, and um, yeah, so so in terms of the members, at least, uh, are going along all right.
0: Yeah, good. I know we're hearing that everywhere. You know, everybody's um, a lot of members are joining, or new social people are joining to be members just to get access. And hopefully, we can leverage off of that if um, once the other sports come back. Hopefully yeah, it's one of the great,
3: to... the great tensions. I think one of, one of the, you know, risk of getting ahead of ourselves, but um, intriguing that the, the benefit now of an annual membership is being paid as, a, as distinct from sort of the monthly payments. Yeah. If you know what I mean? And and, and and this is the whole, oh, I've just lost my job kind of thing. And, um, you know, golf is now an absolute luxury and I need to pull the pin on my membership. I'm, in, I'm, I'm intrigued by the whole... Membership withdrawal. Give me my money back. The course has been closed for six weeks. You owe me money. I'm interested in that mentality. Yep. Um, it's the same thing the AFL clubs are, are, are dealing with, and uh, they, they've got a couple. I'm seeing a couple of pretty clever innovations there. That you know, in terms of if you want to, you know, if you want your money back, we're going to give it to you. But if you stick with us, yep. here's what we're going to put on the plate to make it worth your while. Yeah, great. And um, I think there's some ideas there that the golf industry can and, um, essentially beg, borrow, and steal from.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, that, it, it, it is good to to pick, um, cherry pick different things from different industries and see how let, let them test it out. I, I'm a big believer in the value add for sure. Is, you know, if it's six weeks and the course was closed, but it's more being a member is more than just the golf that they yeah. play.
3: Yeah, that's what I mean by the by the mentality and people mm. who don't see it as their community they see it as a they don't see a difference between their non-profit golf club and and facebook in terms of a commercial yeah. profit driven behemoth there's a there's a generation of people that lost that message
0: <laughs> yeah no, no i totally agree and we call them the car park golfers in a lot of cases too yeah Let's come and go quickly i'll just give it a couple of minutes we're getting a few more that are popping on
3: yeah, the simple idea. I listened last night to uh, had a meeting with the Carlton Footy Club CEO, and um, you know, one of one of their strategies is 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 if you retain your membership with us this year, we are going to give you a a free membership for a friend or relative next year. Now, I'm not sure how many games that means that they can go visit or anything like that. And I thought, wow, that's pretty generous. And then then this is the commercial mentality that I, that I don't have. They're like. Yeah, and we reckon we can retain about 80% of those people that we give away for free. We think we can get 80% of them on board for the year after. So we think we're going to grow our membership by about 12,000 people next year because of this virus. And I'm like, wow, isn't that an interesting little Mm. loss-leading strategy?
0: Yeah, well, we definitely want to look at the long term. I mean, it, this even with the topic today, everything it's about the long game now, not um, yeah. not just a few next few months. Um, yeah, I was in on a pa- uh, a panel uh, listening around travel, and it was all about, oh, do you give your money back? And there was a question posed about you know deposits that have been held by tour operators, and you go, well, you, know, you get, it's a long game. <laughs> it's a, you, know, if you don't give it back, they
1: just won't come back in the future.
0: Yeah, know, about the yeah. relationships.
1: I like Jeff Blunden's uh, quote last week, um, which was "Without crisis, we don't have innovation," or something to that effect. And uh, I just thought that was fantastic because, as much as anything, this is a good opportunity for Carlton Football Club to um, to, to take advantage of in a way. It's, uh, and I think you're right. I think golf is definitely in a position to to take advantage of what how how it's been managed in the golf industry. We we're one of the Luckier industries to be able to continue in most states. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, what that means for the game down under.
3: Yeah, it's a mixture of pros and cons because you've got the, yeah, we were able, we're outdoors, we were perceived as safe. Uh, you're our, what do we call them, our nomad golfers couldn't get a game. So, I've got to join up to a club and all that sort of stuff. But, there was the, the other part I saw is that there was a little bit of what I'll call the negative stigma. That golf was seen as a that, that, that elitist tag came out that somehow we were just so desperate to play. Golfers were so desperate to play golf. The typical golfing assholes and just, we just copped a little bit along the way. Hmm. Um, yeah. I, I and I don't I, I, and I don't think we deserved it, but nonetheless, we we did have a few rocks. Uh, Throwing our way, built on that elitist kind of angle
1: yeah it wasn 't helped when Sam Newman marched on the no
3: that, that 's in the back of my head as well like, and I, and I looked at the commentary for both of that if you were a if you were a golfer, you thought he was an absolute legend, and mm-hmm. if you weren 't a golfer, he was an embarrassment to society yep. and that 's what and, and and that's that was, that was the but, you know, haters are always going to hate, as they say. Um, yeah, so that's the kind of double-edged sword. I think fundamentally we've come out looking pretty good because we were, we were, I think a lot of people were sympathetic towards golf's cancellation in Victoria. I think a lot of people looked at that and said, yeah, that, that's a pretty tough call. So we were often, at least we were, we were high profile. I guess that's what I'm saying. And yeah. probably about 80% of the coverage was
0: either neutral or positive. Thank, yeah. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll get started on that. I think that might be another uh, another episode, Jeff. I might get you on in a couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I think it'd be a good... Um, there's so much of that happening around the industry. It'd be interesting to hear uh, different perspectives from, from our, our different states. Uh, but we'll get started. Give me one second here. I'll um, just take a couple boxes here. Just... Got everybody on mute right now, but we'll do do the Q&A in a sec, uh, or the, the chat if you have any questions, but let me get started. But thanks everyone for coming to uh, episode three of uh, GIC TV, uh, Gulf Straight Resets, uh, Risk Management in the COVID-19 World. It, it's some very topical, um, I guess, current topical things that we're all going through as we've, we've sort of started uh, with, the, with the big close down in, uh, you know, in, in Melbourne and New Zealand, you know, having the courses closed for a long period of time, uh, other places having you know each state having uh, different uh, rules in place and and now, as we've sort of got the other side of the curve it's it 's not that it 's over it's it 's just as uh, Terry uh, said to me yesterday said it 's just just beginning you know, we 're just starting to get get where uh, we need to you know the, the new normal whatever that looks like we need to start uh, managing this process moving forward, and each state once again is in a slightly different position, uh, depending on how the um, how the government is rolling it out here in queensland we we had some of our restrictions move forward a, a couple of weeks. It um, probably took our some of our managers off guard and, and not, not quite ready to get everything open, but uh, they 're wor- working on it hard this week. Um, the, the episode is being recorded for future use, so just um, uh, just be aware that we use it for other content. Uh, if you need to use the anonymous button or anything else, uh, that's fine too. Um, if there's any, any um, types of questions you might want to put forward. Um, it's a more relaxed style of uh, webinar. Um, so we, we want to get some discussion going, even though you're all on mute now, we'll, we will have some opportunities to do some, some live chat or at the end of our, our session today, the, the panelists are happy to stay on for a little while and, and just have some some open discussion of what what may be happening in your uh, your particular area. Sharing of knowledge is how we get stronger as an industry. Um, it's something I've I've always believed in. And um, you know we're all in this together. Is is um, you know, I know the, the the New Zealand industry's been promoting and, and trying to help each other out. And I think we'll come out as a um, a, a stronger entity. Um, you know as we get through all of this. It's a great opportunity though. You know Jeff Jeff was just Uh, pronouncing some of the messaging and what I'm seeing is just, you know, we have an opportunity to sell, you know, golf as, as, you know, not, maybe not the safest, but possibly the safest um, type of sport in in venue. Um, We have social distancing sort of built into it um, just as a game and, you know, be down the left side of the fairway, right side of the fairway. You know, it's, it's, it's built on that premise anyways, even though it is a very social game, uh, we have the distancing, the distancing effect in there. Um, and in the end, I guess it 's members and staff do need to feel safe coming to your venue um, that 's the big message we need to get along. Do, do they feel safe when they come in? Do your staff feel like you know, they want to come to work? You know Terry and Terry and daniel will will chat about that in a, in a sec um, before I hand it over what, what today 's format we 'll do just a, c- a couple of minute intro with, with Terry and, and Daniel. just a little bit of background for where they 're coming from and I guess their, their current perspective of um, where, where they see the industry at the moment. Um, i 've got a little poll, just a, a sample poll to get from you. Uh, the question will be uh, how many of you currently have a COVID 19 venue management plan ready to go? Um, just to get an idea for for the panelists i 'll launch that right now, and i 'll hand over to Terry just to do a, a quick intro and um, an update of what he 's saying Over to you, uh, Terry.
2: Thank you, Mike uh, for the kind introduction. Welcome everyone. It's great to be speaking with you today and I appreciate you taking the time out to uh, sit in on the webinar and thanks to you, Mike, for organising it. Um, Just as a quick overview, I've spent the last 20 years working in the golf space, uh, focusing on risk management from an environment risk perspective and also from an environment health and safety risk perspective. Um, And I think like everybody, we were blindsided by this pandemic and we've had to identify some new strategies to deal with COVID-19 risk. And so today I'm going to share with you our experiences, what we're seeing, what we're doing, how we've been able to quickly adapt. Um, but I will say from the, from the get-go, we've been a bit fortunate because one of our company directors is a doctor with public health expertise and has responded and worked in some outbreaks before, so we're relying heavily on the input that she provides us, and we're sharing that with as many people as we can. And you'll probably see behind me is what we call our coronavirus resource corner, where we identify things that we think our customers need. We print them off or we send them electronically and we post them in our own workplace. And this is something that regulators will wanna see. And this is part of the new risk approach. So one of the things that I'll be talking to during the presentation is how risk management in the COVID world presents unlimited opportunity to do a couple of things to communicate better with your patrons, with your teams and your members, and also how to trigger those tough conversations. So for about 15 minutes or so, it's my job to make sure that I enlighten you with some COVID-19 risk strategies that we've adopted and you may find some of that or all of that might help you in, in your endeavors. Um, so it's over to you, Mike, I'm in your hands.
0: Yeah, no worries. we will do, do a quick uh, intro to Daniel Bader from Golf Business Australia, just um, from a slightly different perspective, but still has to uh, has a lot in regards to risk management and they go hand in hand with with what you're doing, Terry. So. Um, Over to you, Daniel. It's good good to have you on.
1: Thanks, mate. Yeah, thanks for having me in, guys. Thanks for joining uh, us. We're a pleasure to be here today to talk about our respective uh, professions and how the golf industry might take away some learnings from today's uh, information. Golf Business Australia is Australia's premium provider of insurance and finance solutions. So we're in the game of reacting to, usually reacting to uh, events that, cover uh, golf clubs with respect to your insurance but we want to talk a little bit about today a, um, you know, the preventative measures uh, amid COVID-19, um, working closely with companies like Terry's to reduce the risk at your club of having to make an insurance claim and therefore improving your risk profile to, uh, to take to insurers and, in, and ensure a, uh, a sustainable insurance solution long into the future. We've definitely seen the impact of COVID-19 on the insurance industry. It, there, there has been some, some negative but positive feedback on the insurance industry, which is not uncommon. But, um, you know, we, we feel that right now it's, it's an opportunity. Um, golf has fared fairly well through COVID, but there's no doubt that uh, it is an industry that needs to be put under the microscope with respect to how we move forward. Most of the, mostly the demographic at golf clubs is an aging demographic and you know, we've got to ensure the safety and, uh, and well-being of our, our customers and, uh, and guests and members. So yeah, I hope you can take away some learnings from golf business Australia today or me on behalf of, and, uh, and certainly Terry, I'm looking forward to what he's got to bring to the table. So thanks again, Mike. And, uh, yeah, no, no no, worries. You hit a couple of good points
0: there too, because this is really, I mean, where I like, say insurance isn't sexy and, uh, it either is uh, risk management at, at times, or either sorry, Terry, if it's um, a very important and integral part of our um, of management and, and governance for any any business, be it members or a, a private entity. So, it's a critical part, and it, you know it's been heightened probably because of the um, because of what we've been challenged. It's brought it to the forefront. Um, you have to be able to go through, go through and, and just make sure that we are making a safe and welcoming and and um, you know a good environment for, for people moving forward they need to feel that as well. Just before we get onto your slides, Terry, we've got a uh, just a quick snippet of the um, uh, poll. So yeah, we had it, um, how many of you currently have a COVID-19 venue management plan ready to go? Uh, one hasn't haven't started, um, 50% completed. There's there's three almost there. And then we've got a, a good good percentage of uh, 60% of the ones that have voted. Uh, said ready to go. So, you know, at least it is good to hear that, you know, we're, we're on, the, on the front foot because we've had that, that free time to uh, to work on this stuff as our venues have been closed or in, in reduced, uh, reduced hours. Uh, JobKeeper has been a big big savior, I guess, to uh, to keep some staff on and, and, and get caught up on a lot of the projects that you um, may not have been able to to, to get to and, and the management plan being, being a big one of them. Um, Terry, I'll flick on your slides, and uh, you can get, go through your, um, your area of information, what we were talking about. One second here. There you go. Terry, just give me a, a turn, change slide, and I'll move on for you. So over
2: All to right. you, Terry. Thank you, Mike. Um, this is just the, the title page. Um, I'm calling uh, the opportunities that COVID has presented to the golf industry as golf's great reset. And I'm going to be talking to that throughout the next uh, 13, 14 slides as we go on today, but with a focus on risk management and how that will help the industry better facilitate what I'm calling this great reset. When you're ready, Mike. So just to give you some background, I said earlier on that we were blindsided and and so so was everybody by this pandemic. In 2019, we started planning 2020 rollout of our risk strategies for all our customers. And we calendarised 12 risk issues that we identified as the top 12 back then. And you'll see on the screen, January, February, and March were locked in. And then, as we know, in late February, early March, well, this pandemic hit, and I can guarantee pandemic risk was not in our calendar. But from March onwards, it's been front of mind for us. And for the last quarter, it's been almost everything that we've focused on. Uh, when you're ready, mate. So the takeaways, I do my presentations a little bit in reverse. I, I like to give my takeaways early so you can be comfortable that I've answered some of the queries or satisfied some of the queries that you would like. Um, can you go back, Mike, to that slide? Yeah. I think we can all agree that, oh, you went forward.
0: I'm um, oh, sorry about that. I'm getting a little bit of a tech, tech issue up here. So okay. let me get back. That's it. That's the one. Sorry about that. That's
2: right. None of us had time to prepare for this pandemic on its way in. I think we can all agree on that, but I think we can all well prepare for the best way out. And I think risk management has a big role to play. And I think some of the end uh, results or some of the outcomes will be what you see at the bottom of the screen. For 20 years, I've been championing golf as what I believe is the world's most environmentally sustainable sport. When I did my master's degree, I did a paper on a golf and the environment. We identified 394 environmental values at threat on a typical 18-hole golf course. And you don't hear too much in the press or the media about any significant environmental incidents on, in or around a golf course because they're doing that well. They're managing their risk well. And I'd argue with anybody that it is up there as the world's most sustainable sport, but if we get our risk approaches right to COVID, is there an opportunity for this great game to be recognized as not just the world's most environmentally sustainable sport, but also as the world's safest sport? Based on the risks that I'm seeing and doing, I agree, absolutely. But it's not the first issue that we've all had to deal with. And in the last 20 years, I've listed a range of issues that, the industry and the world has had to respond to. And our role throughout and each and every event has to come up with some strategies to best equip and best empower golf club general managers and superintendents as risk managers to deal with it, to manage their way through it and come out better at the end of it. So just in summary, there's no doubt that COVID risk management You really have to acknowledge these four points if you're gonna do it right. It's everybody's business. It's an individual issue to keep people safe and keep their families safe. And it's a community issue. It's a worldwide global issue. So it is everybody's business. It's in everybody's interest that you get it right in your workplace, in your business. The beauty of it is if you get it right and you do it robustly and you do it with credibility It allows you the ability to communicate value, value to your workforce, that it's a safe place, value to your members and your patrons, that it's a safe place, that it's clean, that it's hygienic and in the words of Greg Patterson, that it's a haven for them to come to and they want to keep coming to it. I said earlier that a good risk assessment will allow you to trigger those tough conversations with your staff or your members. We don't do things that way anymore. We have to change. This is why, and this is how long we may have to be doing this for. And there's no doubt what we're seeing, and as we start executing our risk assessments, COVID risk has changed the hierarchy of controls, and you'll see that in the next slide. Top left of screen, that's the traditional hierarchy of controls for risk as we've traditionally known it. Elimination always top of scale, but what We've done bottom right, we've adapted it for COVID and you'll see the number one control is now social distancing. And that incorporates hygiene, sanitizing, etiquette for respiratory etiquette and that sort of thing, right through to engineering controls, whether they be physical barriers, which we're seeing, and to administrative controls like procedures, working from home policies and protocols and through to PPE. So it's actually changed the whole way that risk managers now assess risk based on COVID and social distancing, respiratory etiquette and hygiene will always be top three as we do whatever we can to try and eliminate that risk in our workplace. Just to give you an idea, this is a risk register that we sat down to develop just last week as an exercise internally for our staff. Now the risk was at top of screen, you'll see it. What is the risk of a customer bringing COVID-19 into the workplace? We identified that as a risk and that's a risk for everybody. And then we started listing controls. That's one page that you see there. And I'm happy to share this page. I think, Mike, you'll be sharing this presentation anyway.
0: Yeah, sure. (laughs) Sure,
2: Now we stopped at 19. So we got to 19 risks a risk control is just for people bringing it into your business or into your workplace. We then went to the next level and we did a risk register for the whole operation. And based on your operation and scale, we're finding that you'll have a risk register that should have risk controls and inherent and residual risk ratings for between 75 and 95 controls. Which is an extensive list, and that's what you're going to be needing. That's what regulators are going, to, are going to be wanting to see, and this is what you will need if you want to espouse yourself as a robust, credible COVID nineteen risk managed facility. Next one, Terry, maybe.
0: Terry, we were talking yesterday about about that point. I mean that they they all run independently too, right? You, if, if you do miss one of them, you know that they don't. There's not that domino effect where if you, you focus on one area, it'll, it'll take care of 20 of those risk items. You have to sort of undertake each one of them.
2: Absolutely. It has to be so strategic uh, now because it's just changed the way we approach risk. It's, it's really now a big focus on behavioral change. So if you miss something, someone's behavior could cause some harm and all of a sudden you've got a cluster. Because somebody didn't see something, didn't identify, and didn't implement a risk control. Yeah. Oops. Oops.
0: Sorry. Yeah, i always, always got the tech issues. When you, yeah. There we go. That's OK. Yeah, the internet.
2: Yeah. So, so, the overriding principle for COVID 19 based risk assessment is to steal from the environment world Um, under the concepts of environmentally sustainable development. When I did my environmental science degree in the mid 90s, yes, I'm that old, uh, the uh, ESD precautionary principle was paramount and it basically said, um, even if there's uncertainty, whether there will be harm, it shouldn't prevent us from taking preventative measures. Summarized, it's better safe than sorry. Now, to put that into perspective, you'll see in that diagram there, how often have you thought when you've met somebody, well, okay, I can shake their hand or should I not shake their hand? Are you certain that you're going to pick up an infection by shaking their hand? Well, there's no certainty, so we're all uncertain about it, but it shouldn't prevent you from taking preventative measures. That's the precautionary principle. Another example is, maybe in your workplace, your course maintenance team have adopted split shifts. Great idea. It keeps two teams separated, but now there's a rush back to the so-called normal. Now, why rush back? Because there's no certainty that rushing back is gonna be safe, so why do it? Why should we not maintain that preventative measure for at least in my view, another three months, another quarter. As I say, the precautionary principle in relation to your split team, should be, it's better to be safe than sorry.
0: You only need one, one person contracting it and your whole team's gone, right? It, it pretty much locks oh, everybody really- out if, if they're all working together from that, that, that contact <laughs> side of things.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it's even gonna come down to what happens in the future when mass testing becomes available. You're going to have to think through a strategy to do that. Are you going to send your whole team together to be tested? If one person comes back positive, is that going to mean you're going to have to close down your whole business? If you've got split teams, that may be a better way to manage it. Send that team for testing and then your next team. There's all these risk issues and the scope and the way that mass testing is executed hasn't been properly addressed and it needs to be in the future.
0: Yeah. That's yeah. an interesting point, even just on the handshake. It's, it's, um, now as we're out getting out and about a bit more and when you do go to those, uh, those business meetings or catch up with your friends, you're not sure what to do. Is it the the, the virtual hug and, or the, you know, the elbows or
1: the, the foot tap or whatever it might be. Yeah, um, yeah right. I, was on the, I was on the golf course yesterday, guys. And, uh, me and a friend in our thirties played with two older gentlemen and they were both ready to shake hands, um, at the start of play. And, uh, my friend and I were the ones that thought well maybe we'll just do the the elbow shake today like it's I don't know whether we talk about better safe than sorry Terry it's um it needs to flow right through to the uh, to the member to the to the golfers at, at golf facilities uh for sure and it's going to be interesting to see how general managers manage that um you know whether there is very strict uh, disciplinary action taken um for this sort of interaction but
2: Time will I agree, Daniel. The, it's a great opportunity for golfers. Like, uh, they're not the problem, they're actually the solution. And if they can embrace all of this risk approach and this behavioural approach, we can truly communicate out there that it is a safe haven, it's a safe sport, come play, let us stay open. Yeah. Ooh. Now, these are some of the things I'm seeing that I wanted to share with you, just as takeaway points, so you could maybe put your mind to, Wow, is this happening in my workplace? And the number one thing is, based on the 19 risk controls that we identified for people bringing COVID into your workplace, what are you doing about your contractors? Are you asking them to provide you with their COVID safety plan, their hygiene plans? If in, in the future, let's say there is a vaccine, are you going to introduce a, uh, a no-jab, you know, no-come-to-my-site policy? These are all things that you've got to think through. But now we should be asking our contractors, if you're going to come on site and you are going to touch things, I need to have some surety that you're going to play the game. And just to give you an idea, I was at a golf facility this week. A contractor arrived. He walked into the facility, he touched the doors, he opened the doors, he went to the bathroom, he sat down, he left. I asked, is there any hygiene protocol? He didn't wash his hands, he didn't use the sanitizing agent at the front door. And it was allowed. So we've had a breach, we've had a potential contamination. These are things that we need to really put our mind to, in particular the sanitizer stations, not just having them but making sure that people use them and that they're monitored to make sure that they're full. The other thing too, uh, buffer time, split shifts are a great thing, but is there a buffer time between split shifts that allow cleaning? And if there is cleaning, is there evidence of cleaning? Is there a register that shows you that yet yeah, the cleaning has not been undertaken? We're thinking of providing our customers with some stickers, which they can stick on a work area that's been cleaned and they can write a date that it was actually cleaned. Um, we're not finding particularly robust evidence that staff are receiving COVID training and we'll talk a little bit about that in the next couple of slides. I've already mentioned risk registers. I've seen some really good ones and I've seen some that are, uh, are too light on. I know the government have got some risk registers on the website. They're a good start, but I think you need to do a lot more than what's being provided out there uh, on government websites. I see there is a lot of education material displayed, but not enough. You'll see behind me, as I said, our coronavirus resource corner. You may want to think about putting a notice board up too, where you've got a central point, but you really need to have arrival posters, sanitiser posters, hand hygiene posters, everywhere within the building. You need to have SDSs for hand sanitiser. It contains alcohol, so it's a flammable product. Regulators will expect safety data sheets. We did some research just a few weeks back on hand sanitizers, we identified 17 safety data sheets within about 20 minutes. We've put them into our database and you need to have them available on site. I've already mentioned the rush back to normal. Too many golf clubs are, are wanting to rush back to normal. Uh, we know we're near normal yet and I don't think we'll be back at normal for 18 months to two years if we ever get back to normal. And I'm also seeing there's uh, are like a really robust COVID policies. So I'd like to see a, a COVID policy signed by a club general manager um, and the board sitting in the foyer frame. This is our COVID policy. We have one displayed on the board behind me and cleaning procedures, uh, procedures about how to screen people, procedures on what to do if somebody is ill at the workplace or if somebody has gone off for a test, what are we going to do? So. There's about a dozen procedures that you really should be having at your workplace.
0: Uh, Terry, with, with the, uh, the COVID Safe app from um, the, the government, is, it, is that something that can be mandated to, to staff or is that something that's still gonna be each person's um, you know, sole discretion on, on wanting to, to
2: tap onto it or not? It might be a bit of a curly one. Yeah,
0: uh, look,
2: t- look you, you really have to consider people's privacy. Uh, and everybody's got a different view. Uh, my view is that all our staff have downloaded it. Um, yep. um, they wanted to. It's going to become an internal issue. Um, it may become mandatory in the future from the government, but that's highly unlikely. But I, my view is if we truly want to demonstrate that golf is the safest sport, and that we're really managing this risk well, what a good look to have all your members having that, that app.
0: Yeah, and you have to remember to open it as well, because I've, I've had it and got, I don't go out much in the last uh, last few weeks since I've loaded, uh, downloaded it, but then you, you forget to turn it on. So yeah, I don't know if that uh, sort of defeats the purpose to have it, but uh, yeah, I guess that opens up a, a lot of um, uh, legal issues on uh, if you can mandate it and then, you know, you can't really go in and check a personal phone. If it's a business phone, I'm sure you can, you can do something. We've got one po- another poll question. Um, and I guess, Terry, you can, you can uh, let me know what this a COVID safe marshal. Have you identified and trained your site uh, COVID safe marshal? And is that somebody that you would consider the, the safety officer, what we're used to having in the, the current, it's just a, a change of terminology and a change of um, criteria that they need to, to be
2: monitoring? Yeah, just to give you an overview, uh, Clubs in New South Wales, they've put out a circular that every golf club must have what they're calling a COVID safe marshal. They must wear a high-vis vest and be identified okay. as quite COVID safe marshal.
0: That's me for today. I'm the COVID safe marshal, so...
2: Correct. I yeah. <laughs> I'm, high visa. I'm not that a fan of know. the term... I'm not a fan of the term marshal. Yeah. It, 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 yeah connotations are that it's a Uh, a police a policing type role Um, is host a better word probably not in the coronavirus era you wouldn't call yourself a COVID safe host but you might call yourself (laughs) a COVID safe advisor uh, for the site where your role is to facilitate the experience of the guest to your place and that's not going there and saying oh you're doing the wrong thing it's demonstrating what's the right thing, what social distancing is, what hand washing is and how to how to wash your hands properly, registering people, counting room numbers. That's the role of this marshal. So yeah, you really need to have the marshal. And I think every staff member should also undertake the training.
0: Yeah, it's a bit tough. I mean, it, it is, um you know, with JobKeeper on at the moment, we'll have that opportunity to have the extra staff around as we slowly open up, but at some point, Yeah, it's going to be an additional cost. I know. um, You know, we can't look at it solely as a as a cost factor, but for a lot of small clubs, especially, it may may be a difficult one for them to have someone, you know, designated the full time. I guess do do you rotate between different people? And you know, you have the vest on. I'm used to that at at community sports sometimes having the um, you know the 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 parent um, coordinator make sure that we don't get unruly. I guess be a similar thing for the um, you know around your work work space.
2: Absolutely, Mike, and it also introduces a whole new range of HR issues for that nominated staff member who may feel uncomfortable being a marshal or a a safety advisor. Yeah. Interesting.
0: Well, we have a few coming through already. So, um, yeah, there's four that said yes, they have one, um, five that no, and then there's a few, three or four, that didn't know they needed one. Uh, Hopefully that's that's something to take away they can can look at to... um, To to identify someone to to take that on. Yep. On our next slide, um, slow internet. Always love that. Uh, I love technology when it doesn't mm -hmm. work. Terry, do you remember what the slide is? <laughs> it'll catch up to us in a second here. Yeah, I do. Yeah, it's... just go go
2: ahead. Okay, it'll be the the slide. No, it's not that one.
0: That, that's the one that comes after it.
2: Yeah, that's it. Sorry, mate, you were right. Yep,
0: yeah. all good. Go ahead, it's working now.
2: Okay. So, so as we move forward, uh, out of lockdown, uh, from stage one into stage two and into stage three, your risk assessment won't change. The expectations of everybody and their collective responsibility in your risk registers won't change. And it's not gonna change from what you see on the screen. Social distancing is here to stay. So is hand hygiene, respiratory etiquette, making sure people stay home. You would have seen the Codrell ad, can you remember the Codrell ad on television used to say soldier on? Well, they changed it this year. Yeah, so thank goodness for that. So there's no more soldiering on in the workplace. Um, a collective responsibility could be, do we download this COVID-safe app? Do you make it mandatory in your workplace? The screening, the hide and cleaning, it's not going to change throughout stage one, stage three, and I think it's going to be with us for a long time.
0: Now, is there much talk about a stage four, or is it pretty much stage three? I guess stage four is with the international travel. There might be some ease from a national perspective, but...
2: Correct. Well, I, I think in stage four, they might start talking about, hopefully, vaccinations and uh, yeah, are we going to have no jab, no play policies, uh, no jab, no travel policies, uh, then our risk assessment strategies will, will change. But for the foreseeable future, collectively, the the risk responsibility is not going to change from what's on the screen.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that, well, we're already seeing it um, nationally. We just... Um, that whole support from work from home we've we've gotten used to it Um, why change and try to get reused where you can't get used to going back into an office again it's a little bit different you're in hospitality like we are with with golf and uh, you know a big part of our product and offering is is um, that that contact that that social interaction Mm -hmm. Uh, so not everybody can work from home but having a better safer work environment with the you know, with the shields up, I guess, in the, the reception and in the pro shops and all that type of stuff that we, we're, we're normally seeing in you know grocery stores and, and um, petrol stations.
2: Yeah. But just before you move to the next slide, yep. Mike, that support to work from home is also support about some of the, uh, the mental health issues and anxiety issues that you will start to experience in your workplace. Some people work well from home, others don't.
0: Yes, it's it's uh, it's a different work environment. Being someone that's worked from home for uh, the last twelve years and just working with clients virtually, I I like the whole online learning and assessment type of uh, stuff there. That that works yeah. well. <laughs> but it is a busy highway. I know it's uh, it's tough to get on, and um, there's, there's so many different things happening now in the, the virtual world. Um, that will probably go back to a little bit normalized once um, in-person meetings start happening again and seminars and in group group formats which are you know not, not too far away. You know the July August time frame will be, be back up and running in, in some of our states. Some of them are, are, are be there already, such as New South Wales with the and Adelaide and, and WA. Ah,
1: same thing. Terry, do you think there's going to be a COVID safe seal for venues, uh, namely golf facilities? Like I would think that general managers and golf facilities in general would do themselves a huge favour by having that tick of approval that you've, you've had that passed um, to attract new and encourage members who might be concerned about the virus to, to come and play and come and enjoy the facilities at a club. Like, uh, yeah, is there going to be a, a seal of approval uh, that you, you qualify?
2: Yeah, look, I, I have no doubt there are agencies out there considering that sort of thing about some certification program and protocol that once you achieve that, you get the green tick. Um, I think that's a fair way down the track, but I've got no doubt it's on a lot of people's minds.
1: And I wonder if the government app uh, plays a big part in that. Uh, it does. The,
2: yeah. Well, in my, my overall view is that golf should be creating its own certification program for this sort of thing. Not just for this, but. You know, they should be certifying their golf clubs as um, environmental performers, as safety performers, and they should be. It should just be a natural extension to include that this is a COVID-safe facility, yep. A to Z, and they can get a sign-off. and They they just need to find out uh, what organisation or agency would be happy to sign off on that. But it's doable, and it should. It should be done. I think it's a great opportunity or another opportunity for golf that comes out of COVID-19. And and just while we're talking to that too, Daniel, this risk assessment you see on the screen, uh, we developed this risk assessment based on the WHO guidelines for mass gatherings. And it's a great opportunity to get yourself a risk score, which could go towards this certification protocol if it's ever introduced. And it scores on how prepared you are to mitigate COVID impacts in your workplace. This facility that you see on screen scored 96% and their probability rating was two, which was low. And we're finding out of the 30 odd facilities that we've done so far, the average score is in the 90s. Now that is such a good look for golf. And who knows about it? Nobody.
0: Exactly. now terry is that the whole venue or is that just the maintenance side i know you know that's um that our maintenance crews have been pretty pretty darn good that i see around here just on their their management of things from legislation to um you know chemicals and environment and the whole deal but you know have have you seen that strong um rating also into the clubhouses and and other areas that that may not have that same attention that a superintendent gives
2: yeah look we we developed a protocol, one for course, one for club. So, we've got two different types of protocols, and we're actually finding that the scores are almost parallel. So, what's happening in the clubhouse is trickling down to the course maintenance operations, which is a good thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's happening in the course maintenance operations might be finding themselves being pushed up into the club operations, but um, overall, the golf industry is performing very well with... Some of those scores in the 90s is fantastic. And, and like it's an extensive risk assessment, it, it goes through 50 parameters. Yep, and yep. To get scores like that, it's a good look. But again, golf's not telling anybody. We should be as an industry.
0: Yeah, well, that, it, it, it's, um, yeah, even with our, our maintenance crews and uh, some of the most unsafe areas would be out there with blades and spinning things that. Tend- <laughs> Uh, take limbs off and chemicals and, and such. The same with the kitchen. I guess those are the two. We, we don't necessarily think about unsafe so much in the in the pro shops and in the you know, front of house so much. But um, yep. You
2: know, yep. So still- just to finish with this slide, I'm about to wrap up, Mike. So yep. just top left of screen. Uh, yesterday, I'm, I'm now a COVID marshal, which is nice. Uh, we sat down with ACM Training, which is a, a training organisation that used to be the Australian College of Mining and we developed a golf-specific COVID martial training course, which is an online course, and it take, took me 40, 40 minutes to finish it. should take you about 45 minutes to an hour. Um, so I'm encouraging uh, you to consider doing similar training to your staff, and soon we'll be launching EPARV, which you know about, Mike, yep. which will help you automatically register guests when they appear on your golf course so you don't need a staff member maintaining a register, you'll be able to uh, communicate with them whilst they're on your site and reinforce some of your social distancing <laughs> measures. It also count the numbers inside your facility and outside your facility from a dashboard. So I'll keep you posted on that.
0: Excellent.
2: And just uh, last couple of slides, just to reinforce this social distancing thing and why it's top of the scale on your risk protocol. This is a, uh, a study out of London. They're starting to come out of lockdown as well. And the experts over there have put out this paper. The orange line is ICU cases weekly. And what they're doing, they're now coming up with what they're calling a threshold. If the cases exceed 100 a week, they will look at reintroducing the previous stage lockdown measures for a month and then relaxing them once the numbers drop to maybe 50, and then they'll relax them, and then they'll see how they go. So the problem with that, or actually not the problem with that, is what it clearly identifies is the importance of social distancing. If we can keep the numbers down, we stay open. If we keep doing our risk management protocols and doing all the behavioural things right, we stay open. If we have a breach and a cluster, and an increase in numbers, they will start implementing, implementing some further lockdown measures. And we don't want that, we can't have that. Yep. Yeah. Okay, wrap up. So it's the great reset without a doubt. And if I could highlight that bottom line, in a COVID world, there is absolutely no doubt that safety sells. Greg Patterson said the same thing in his presentation last week. Oh, a new output for golf, apart from being one of the greatest recreation sports on the planet, is that it's it's gonna be whole and healthy people and whole and wealthy workplaces. And we can't claim that, we can't demonstrate that. And we certainly can't state that in the absence of robust COVID related risk management.
0: Yeah, great. Thanks, Terry.
2: One more slide, mate, I think.
0: Yeah, uh, I've pushed that just to the end when we do our wrap. So
2: okay. a sec on that one.
0: So over to Daniel, I guess to get your perspective of what's been happening from um, yeah, the insurance side of things. Um, but if you want to just do a quick update, um, just you know, you've been around for a couple of years now in the, in the golf industry. It'd be interesting to get your perspective on what you're seeing from outside the golf industry, as well as what's happening and where we can improve. But over to you, Daniel.
1: Yeah, thanks guys. Thanks, Terry. That was uh, quite informative, mate. I'm sure a lot of people would have taken a lot from that uh, presentation. Um, the insurance industry, look, it's it has been a challenging time. Uh, COVID has certainly had its. Oh, my screen's gone a bit odd there, Mike. Are you still got yep. me? No, yep. go ahead. Sorry. Um, yeah, it's yeah, COVID has presented its challenges for the insurance industry on a wider scale. Uh, the golf industry is where GBA spends its time focusing and providing its insurance solutions too, um, but. The challenges and disruptions are hard to judge and hard to continue to comprehend um, the risk environment, uh, I guess, as an argument. There is argument to suggest that it is a a changed risk. Uh, It has to be. We've never seen this unprecedented type of event before. And, um, you know, insurance, like I mentioned in my opening, is... Is very reactive. It's reactive to the situations that we we experience uh, every day in this country, in particular storm events, climate events uh, are most obvious at your golf facilities. But um, yeah, this is this is new to to us as insurance professionals and uh, and and an industry responding to you know the needs and inquiries from our customers to say, well, what cover, if any, is available uh, following following this event. So it's It's a tricky situation insurance a lot of the time is expected to to bail out um society with you know we look at the bushfires of uh, of recent times and and the impact that that's had on the nation um and then you know what is what is expected of insurance companies to to a degree that you know people without insurance uh, expect to be uh, compensated for their loss by the government, whereas people with insurance are, you know, obviously done the right thing in the beginning to to take out that cover. So we, it, it, there is always a bit of bad uh, publicity for the insurance industry. At, uh, yeah, you know, we we try our best to, uh, you know, and I, I say it as a small part of the ins- uh, insurance industry, but we we do our best to educate our clients in the ways of insurance and just be transparent and honest with what insurance is there to do. Uh, unfortunately, uh, with COVID being labelled uh, a quarantinable pandemic, there was a plethora of exclusions that existed on a number of policies, that you know, travel insurance policies, uh, business interruption insurance policies, which meant that the the effects of COVID uh, and the impact of COVID weren't, weren't, you know, the financial impact was not necessarily covered. So. I guess with that in mind, uh, we'll flick onto my first slide, Mike. Yep. Uh,
0: Do you want that one or the summary overview? Mate, I'm looking for
1: the detail. Yeah, that's the one. That's one. Sorry about that. Go ahead. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, so like I said, it's a it's a challenging. Uh, it's been challenging for insurers um, to, to judge a continued risk exposure and, and comprehend the environment that we're now in following COVID-19. Uh, uh, I've just listed a few insurances to, to that are most commonly questioned and, and how that, that cover now looks following, uh, following COVID. So with respect to general liability, public li- liability, uh, more commonly referred to, We're seeing that whilst there is a exposure that continues, the obvious conclusion with clubhouses fully or partially closed is that general liability or the view is that general liability is decreased. But in actual fact, the majority of claims that we see are out on the golf course. So with venues closed, with uh, typical operations no longer uh, continuing, we, are, we have still been fortunate enough to be able to play golf, which means there are still claims happening on the golf course in that, that high percentage of errant ball claims, uh, trip and fall claims on the course. So I guess it's to be mindful of the fact that, you know, if you are a facility that's had to close or remains closed or partially closed, it, there would definitely, the advice from an insurance broker would be that doesn't, render public liability obsolete there is still risk out there and uh, it's still you know a premium still needs to apply for that risk to continue to be covered Uh, management liability Uh, look just touching on what what terry had to say earlier there is so many decisions that need to be made by management and boards at clubs um, so many protocols to to implement following COVID 19 um, none more so than providing a safe environment for for members and employees. Uh, management has an obligation to, to make sure that those environments are safe. And if we're not able to do that, then there could very well be a breach of uh, a, director, an officer, uh, or a director and officer or director and officer negligence. And as a result, you know, employment practices, claims could be made against uh, against those clubs, against those directors. Um, at a managerial level, uh, there'll obviously be some financial impact from COVID-19. This may lead to people being laid off. Again, unfair dismissal cases could be uh, on the rise. We expect them to be on the rise as a result of COVID. So it's definitely uh, an area of insurance that you need to focus on. Uh, management liability check with your insurance provider your insurance broker that that is a it is a robust cover it it covers the areas that i just mentioned Um, membership matters we don't know look my own club we've just received our our subs renewal and there's increases to our our fees now there might be increases at clubs that aren't welcomed by members this could create waves and and or action brought against the the board and the management of the club. So to protect yourselves as as decision-makers and in charge of the governance of your golf facility, please do yourself a huge favour and and double-check your management liability cover and and what, what in fact, it does protect against. Um, Your ISR or your industrial special risks, otherwise referred to as property insurance, so we're looking at fire, theft, storm damage, the most common types of uh, property losses. I guess there's argument to say that there's no real decrease in exposure. Um, buildings have been vacant or semi-vacant for some time. Uh, without you know, the watchful eye of, of employees or people present at the venue, we could very well see, we may, we may have seen an increase in malicious damage, vandalism and burglary claims. Yeah, you know, easy targets. People doing it tough at the moment uh, that turn to to crime and uh, and you know the quiet club in your your town or city um, that isn't otherwise occupied. So it's there is that that argument from insurers that that risk is still present. It's not um, it's not an increased uh, risk, but it certainly is a risk nonetheless. So. With you know, with respect to storms, we've got uh, water ingress that may not be picked up straight away, which l- could lead to larger claims, more damage, um, and and of course, you know, the general maintenance of a club which is overlooked. Uh, we might you know consider you know leaf leaf litter in gutters and so on that could be flammable and uh, result in a total loss of the club. So there is certainly some areas of Business to uh, consider whether or not there there are risks uh, during COVID interruptions. Uh, hopefully now people are returning to work or have returned to work in, in in some capacity. So it is being monitored. The club is being monitored uh, more regularly. But um, yeah, we we certainly were made aware of the uh, the changing risk of of unoccupied or or semi-occupied venues uh, during COVID interruptions. Voluntary workers, uh, of course, every club has a a few members that that are willing to lend a helping hand. Um, I guess it's prudent to recognise that there is a risk there that if you're inviting members to assist with maintenance or um, upgrades at the club, I know we've seen some painting done by members at at our club, it's great that they're prepared to do this, but in the event that they are injured on your on the site it's worthwhile certainly worthwhile to note that um your facility your entity should have a voluntary workers' insurance policy uh, and make sure that it is current and that it would respond in in an outcome uh, whereas someone yeah maybe may be injured uh, that isn't employed by the club passe so
2: yeah.
1: That's um, and while whilst it is acknowledged that golf clubhouses are operating on a limited basis, um, you know, premiums and uh, the cost of insurance still needs to reflect the risk. We have had success with, uh, I guess, in the in COVID times, to roll over or what we call roll over premiums. We've also uh, been assisted by. Uh, Terry and his team to to reduce premiums at certain clubs. So there are measures that you can take now to present your club in a better light to insurers. And I think if you're failing to do that or, or not doing that, then you should be because just like making your, your workplace a safe environment um, with respect to the contraction of COVID and uh, getting that seal of of, a group of approval... It's worthwhile to increase your risk, improve your risk profile as well with respect to general liability losses. So, yeah, do yourself a favor and uh, and speak to your broker. uh, Speak about ways of of being a more attractive risk to insurers, and and you might find that there are yeah premium benefits as a result of that.
0: Andrew, that there's been a few providers offering some extended payments too, isn't there? There There've been the ninety day ones. I'm not sure if that's in clubhouses or if it was more around uh, pro shops
1: yeah i should probably um help the insurance industry out a little bit here and say that there have been insurers that are offering extended credit terms uh to clubs you know there are credit terms that are customer facing and and behind the scenes and you know it might not do away with the the pressures of of insurance premium payments but it certainly assists at, at times where income isn't continuous so uh, yeah we are seeing that insurers are prepared to provide cover without payment um, for extended periods so it is again you should at least ask the question if you're not already already being told by your insurance provider that you have more flexible credit terms and it does not mean that if you don't pay your insurance that you don't have cover it's um, obviously an insurance claim may be subject to the payment of a premium but but it is available to those that have gone through difficult times following uh, COVID, but uh, we hope that most are on the road to recovery, but uh, it certainly does exist.
0: Sorry, I just need to get um, a bit of an issue with this. Not wanting to slide, so my apologies, give me one second there we go sorry just the last
1: couple slides sorry about that Daniel
2: yeah you're right no worries Um,
1: yeah so insurance is the reaction but it doesn't need to be reactive Um, like I said before measures measures taken now will improve your facility's risk profile and ensure the sustainability of affordable insurance into the future we we've got to be mindful that there are limited market options for golf club insurance. I'm sure many of you have uh, experienced it, but we need, you know, we've gone through some turbulent times, fires, storms, and, and that's not limited to the past few years. Uh, floods. know, it's, it really is. It's one of the necessary evils in business having to, to pay insurance and, but without insurance, I guess we, We don't open our doors. Uh, It makes life very tricky uh, to not be insured. So we've got to have insurance options. So with COVID-19 and and, and recent events, we'll we'll continue to, there will be um, concessions provided with the rollover of premiums and the extension of uh, credit terms, but eventually we will see increases to premiums. And it's just how you manage that as a facility with your insurance provider, uh, what you can do to to reduce that those increased premiums. But I think um, I've just detailed a few ways that you may be able to to do that. Um, there's no guarantees, of course, because insurers are, you know, that the premium pool is assisted with the the claim payments, and if claim payments exceed, you know, premium pool and reinsurers. Um, funds then you know we're in a position where we have to increase it uh, well insurers are in a position where they have to increase premiums and or excesses so um i guess number point number one uh, look to update and improve your security measures at these times if you if things are quiet or or even if they're not um you know have a look at your security is it is it sufficient could it be better uh to take back to your intruder, to say, well, we've included back-to-base alarm or CCTV or uh, security patrols. Uh, Definitely something we can start looking at, particularly with our venues, uh, either fully closed or partially closed during COVID. But um, yeah, definitely look at the the security measures at your club, Um, particularly if you're a a venue that holds a lot of cash. um, New South Wales and Queensland, I think with the gaming, uh, they tend to hold a lot more cash, although a lot of them are going contactless these days. Um, worthwhile to to make sure your security measures are, are up to date and, and looking to improve them. Uh, a fire safety audit, again, a uh, management uh, decision. and I believe there would have to be some sort of uh, regular audit done of your fire safety. However, uh, what a better time to do it than now. While you've got the opportunity, uh, there may be staff that could assist with this that are other or otherwise not being engaged to, to do their, their their usual business um, operation yeah just have them have a fire safety audit completed uh, provide your insurance broker with that audit those audit findings if if it paints your club in in a better light then there's no reason that that can't be taken to insurers to see whether or not uh, a combination of these initiatives can assist reduce your Your premiums or create a better risk profile for your golf facility. Uh, Operational procedures, we spoke about cleaning. Uh, Obviously that's very important now with COVID-19. Yeah, we need to make sure we've got that that safe environment for our our guests, our members and employees Um, because whatever's around the corner, you want to be sure that you've done the right things uh, beforehand and prevented that incident so to defend yourself in the event of a claim occurring. So same with signage um, that could be in the clubhouse or even out on the course. We we spoke about errant ball claims earlier, a, a big issue for the golf industry. We Now we might look to install or, or think of ways to, to curb the errant ball claims at our clubs um, through signage. Uh, a great, great use you know people do read signs believe it or not still in it and they have have been found to be useful at clubs so again you know, that could assist with reducing uh, your liability risk and your liability premiums uh, general maintenance course equipment and general maintenance kitchen equipment uh, if we if we're doing i believe kitchen equipment there's certain requirements they have flues inducted cleaning uh, with some insurers uh, have that done um, reduce that risk of, of fire and and a total loss because, you know, as we've seen in Australia in recent times, you know, the, the risk of fire, uh, not just bushfire, but uh, uh, other ways in which fires have, have began, uh, started often in the kitchen, um, we can certainly improve our risk pro- profile and reduce risk by uh, doing some general maintenance on our kitchen equipment and, and club equipment. So, um, which would obviously assist with your... Uh, your ISR, your property insurance. Adopt a risk management program. Yep. So you know, engage a risk consultant. We've got one with us today. Uh, speak to a risk consultant about how we can reduce our risk, uh, create a safer uh, and, uh, and less less of a likely, less likelihood of having to to make a claim through risk management. Uh, and of course, assess and update your insurance program. Uh, again, if if times are, I'm sure you're not quiet, but uh, it may be that time of year where your insurance requires a review, it requires an update. Uh, but even if it's not, um, take the time to to have a good look at it, send it to your insurance professional and just ask them if there's anything that you can do right now to um, to create a, a better look at your your club a safer that it is a safer low risk club compared to others unfortunately we're all grouped in this together it is a um, an industry insurers operate per industry as much as they look at a in particular uh, or individual risk they will look at the losses from an industry however uh, don't be uh, afraid to have a look at your insurance program now and, and Ask the questions. Thanks, Mike. Next slide. Yeah, thank you. So, the last couple ones. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll end on a bit of a, uh, a rough note, but it, I think what I've learned through answering the inquiries of coverage uh, amid COVID nineteen the best the best method was just to be transparent, and honest with our our clients, our customers. It. Sadly, that uh, there, isn't, there is no in- business interruption insurance cover for uh, COVID-19, ruled a, a quarantinable pandemic by the Quarantines Act of 1908. Um, this has been argued by a few industries. Uh, the golf industry, we haven't seen too much uh, pushback from, but it has been challenged. But at the end of the day, if business interruption losses were covered, covered as a result of COVID or, or similar viruses, we'd empty the coffers of all insurers and, and I don't think there'd be any, any insurance options remaining uh, out there in the, in the world. So, sadly, yes, COVID has impacted everyone, um, any, every and all industries, but in with respect to the interruption to the, that business, uh, Following SARS in 2013, there was action taken to by by insurers and reinsurers to introduce exclusions that, uh, regrettably, meant there would be no insurance protection for disruptions to business uh, from COVID-19. So that that's the general response. There is exclusion uh, exceptions to that, but uh, I haven't seen any yet in the golf uh, golf industry. Um, again, general. General liability or public liability. There may be numerous ways that, you know, claimants may try to make claims related to COVID nineteen. We haven't seen these yet. People that start to return to courses or golf facilities um, may contract the virus. We've we've heard of the the second wave, and we hope that golf fares well uh, when we do all return to normal, whatever normal is. But um, If there is someone that contracts COVID-19, if it does happen and they believe that that it's happened at a golf facility, there may be an attempt or attempts to make claims against the golf club for negligence. Um, But it it remains the fact it's going to be a difficult thing to to prove negligence on behalf of the, the golf club where coronavirus... Covid nineteen could have been contracted anywhere that that person had been—restaurants, cafes, at home, uh, public places. So it is, it, in the opinion of the insurance industry, it is going to be a difficult uh, claim to accept. Um, and yeah, but we are seeing that exclusions are becoming more common uh, in insurance policies. So. Keep an eye out for COVID-19 specific exclusions, um, but if they don't exist, they may they may come up under something else, such as a communic- communicable disease, um, which, and you may find it in there. But ask ask your insurance professional; they they can easily get the answer. And uh, but I, I just wouldn't be expecting for it to be a, a an affirmative, you are covered for public liability losses uh, associated with COVID nineteen. I think you'll find that in ninety nine percent of cases, it's not going to be the case. So, you know, thank you. Good, Mike.
0: good, good point. I think the um, yeah, it will be tested over time. I think as as people will, you know, as long as we're um, following the right uh, protocols and we have all the the checklists in place and our marshal and all that type of stuff. At least we're doing the right thing. I think that negligent would come in as we're not doing anything, and we're, we're dismissing that. Um, I'll finish up with uh, with Terry, and then we'll we'll open it up if there is any any question and answers. For the I know we're running over just a few minutes over time. For the ones that want to stay on, we can we can open the the um, the, uh, the audio lines, and we can just do some some general chats. Uh, if you like uh, but uh, terry over to you to cl- close it on out i think t- daniel's covered quite a few things that we can take away and and, and focus on from our own uh, own perspective and, and from yours you know, what what would your uh, your final comments be uh
2: thanks mike uh thanks daniel great stuff mate uh, just a, a final comment um just to round off what i'm calling golf's great reset um, i've got some notes here that i'll refer to to make sure i get the message um, as detailed as I possibly can in such a short time. But there's no doubt golf was uh, forced to a space that it wasn't ready to go to. But now we're there, let's take advantage of it. And I talk about this thing, let's hold where we're at. Now, I know all of you out there in golf club management world, the first thing you want to hold on to is to hold on financially. And it would be a remiss of me not to mention that. So that's a priority for everybody. But I think we should also really work on or work hard for what I call holding this new space. Now, f- golf has been rediscovered. Um, it's it's unprecedented. And I think it was Jeff earlier on before we started was talking about rounds of golf are up. I saw one golf club have 900 and uh, 950 rounds of golf booked in for a week. Um, I've just some more of these notes here. Um, we need to hold this new space. As I said, it's been rediscovered. Rounds are up. It's a sport made for social distancing. Importantly, people are appreciating the outdoors. They're appreciating the mateship. And this space that we're in now, it's a safe haven for vulnerable communities. And it's something that we've got to hold on to and start communicating when we start holding the conversation. So let's have this conversation with staff, with our members, with the community about what golf is in this new space. What are our new behavioural changes that we're introducing? And where is golf going to be now? Where is it going to be in six months? Where is it going to be in 12 months? Are we going to go down the road of this certification pathway? And we need to really hold on to some of these new ideas. Um, And I keep saying that the major idea that's come to the fore is that it's safe. Now, the message that we should be telling Everybody is, and we need to stop being a humble sport. Now, you come play our sport, we've got your back. It's that simple in the COVID world. And how how have we got your back? Well, we've got the best done risk assessment protocol in place that you could ever hope for. And we're ready made to let you come and play at our place, enjoy our, our company, and go home safe. And that's what I talk about, golf's great reset. Thanks, Mike.
0: Excellent. No, thanks, thanks, Terry. That's some, some great um, you know, messaging. I think that's, you know, as an industry, I guess, how, how do we move forward to um, get that collective message out there? And I guess, Daniel, with the, you mentioned different industries have their different industry pools. Is the golf industry seen as one industry or are we seen as three or four separate ones at the moment? Because you know, we've got, you know, we've got different elements of it that, that might fall under a different different pattern. I don't know, that doesn't make sense for us to look at how does the industry become a golf industry and we get certified and we are, we follow all those all the protocols and, and things that um that we've been discussing?
1: Yeah, I think insurers look at uh the occupation of like when I say golf industry, I, I I really mean the golf facilities, insuring golf facilities. So uh look, there's a lot of businesses that service our great game and um you know, we're we're one of them. we the three of our businesses. But um, yeah, I think as far as the facilities are concerned, insurers will look at golf facilities as a group uh, for the most part. And then, yeah, once they've, once they've reached their, uh, their baseline on golf clubs, then they'll start to look at clubs on individual basis, which are those that are experiencing high levels of claims, uh, which are those that have rarely claimed. And then that's where you start to, piece together your risk profile and try to improve. If you're a club that is fortunate enough not to have to make a claim or high frequency or high value claims, then you're in a good position. You're in a good position to negotiate uh, your premium, your renewal terms, your insurance terms. If you're a club that has unfortunately suffered a bushfire loss uh, and impacted the, I guess, uh, profitability of an insurance company, then you 're going to find it a little tougher, but I guess you know we 've got to take the good with the bad if you've if you've experienced that you've you 've got to accept that um, you do have a risk and if if we can't if you can't improve on that then uh, yeah you 've just got to manage it as best you can with the the position you 're in the finances that your, your club has available but um, yeah there, there's ways there's ways to certainly uh, improve that risk improve your risk profile. Clubs got to start. Facilities have to start doing it. Um, like, Terry, like Terry said. Yeah, great. Well, thanks. Thanks everyone for for attending
0: today. Thanks, Terry, for your time. Um, I'll, in the recordings, there'll be slides, and I'll I'll load that up onto the uh, onto Golf Industry Central uh, later today, so you can you can share it with anybody that you want. Uh, Daniel, thanks for your time as well. You know, appreciate it and all your support of the of the golf industry. Um, I'll stop the. Um, the, the official uh, proceedings right now for the ones that you want to stay on just to have a quick chat with Terry or Daniel. Um, I'll leave, leave this open for you know 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, if you guys want to have just some general discussion, it won't be recorded so you can ask all the curly ones, uh, curly questions if you like. Uh, but thanks. Thanks again. Uh, appreciate your support for, for episode number three and uh, look forward to seeing everybody in person with the um, either the elbow or the foot tap uh, when we do see each other over a, a couple of corona, cold Corona beers, I'm guessing. Um, but you know, hopefully we'll, we'll be back to normal, uh, sooner than later, but, uh, take care everyone and uh, we'll see you soon.